As promised, we're joined right now by a former NFL linebacker. He played eight years for the Chargers and the Bills. He was the number 12 pick overall out of Maryland in 2005, a three-time Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro. He led the NFL in sacks in 06. He was selected to the Chargers' 50th anniversary team. He is also a mixed martial arts promoter and owner of Lights Out Extreme Fighting. I'm talking about Sean Merriman. He joins us via Zoom. Sean, what's going on? How are you? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, dude. Good. So let me start first, Sean. Good to have you back. Let me ask you about the Steelers, or I should say the Chargers, then the Steelers. Brandon Staley fired this week. Many thought that maybe that might happen after last year's playoff collapse. But given the fact, in your opinion, given the fact that he was hired in large part for his defensive prowess, given the talent that he had on that side of the ball, why was he unable to fix that defense? You know, that's, uh, you know, the $10 million question, right? Because, you know, outside of last year, you can look at three or four different times this year alone that he probably could have been let go. Um, my problem wasn't the, the problems that they were having on the defense side of the ball. My, my problem with him at towards the end of this tenure was his un- inability to adjust or didn't want to adjust, you know, uh, firing back off at the reporters and the media after that when they asked, asked him very simple questions. And, and Jim, look, we've all been there where, we don't want to ask, you know answer these questions after a, a, a tough loss or bad performance. And you know when you start to fire back off of reporters when they're asking simple questions. By the way, the questions that we all have when we watch the games, and then you fire back off at them in a negative way and tell them not to answer. That's where my issues came in from. So you expect when you have a, a defensive guru or someone that's a defensive coach bringing in that that's going to be the strong suit of your team, and it just wasn't. Sean Merriman's joining us. No, it was not. Hey, Sean, I've done this a long, long time, and I want to be very careful how I pose this because I'm not that hot take artist. I mean, the worst thing that you can say about an athlete or a team, and you learn this as day one as an athlete, the worst thing you could say about anybody in sports is that they quit. I'm just going to be very careful how I pose this question. If Vegas scores none, and then Vegas comes out and drops 63 on you, harsh as it sounds... Did any aspect of that Charger team appear to you to lay down or quit? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no. I mean, I don't think it's another way to put it or answer that question. Yes, they did. Because as a pro, it is extremely hard to put a 60-plus point game on you. It is extremely hard as a pro. And I don't care how bad your team is. If you got 11 guys out there fighting on both sides or three phases of the game, it is hard to score 60-plus points. Now, I'm not saying as, as a collective group that guys quit. But I'm saying that if you got 11 guys on the team on a defense or offense, there are five to six guys out there that have to not have to want to go out there and win a football game or go that extra mile and put in the effort to win. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lay a, a blanketed statement across the whole team, offense, defense, special teams, but to let a team like the Raiders, who also wasn't that great of a team, score 60 plus points on you, there had to be some quit involved. And that comes, uh, uh, that's a direct answer to, uh, to your leader, to your head coach, to your coaching staff, or whoever you have that's calling those plays and making those decisions. That is our direct answer to say, we're not playing for you anymore. So, yeah, I don't I don't think that's a, a, a fair, unfair assessment to say that you had guys out there that, that flat out quit. I can appreciate that response. Sean Merriman joining us. So what about Pittsburgh? And I bring this up only because it's been a thing all morning long on the show. Sean, I've got Stewart fans saying, hey, hey, Rome, listen, you and the national media just don't get it. You've never gotten it. And they're saying things like, Mike Tomlin is fraudulent. 
And I'm saying the guy's never had a losing season, all right? He's never picked in the top 10. He's never had a losing season. I'm not saying that guys aren't starting to tune him out because even the best, the messages go stale. But to call this guy fraudulent and to make it sound like he's some sort of hack and that somebody else would have a lot more success with that team, like when you look at the Steelers, what do you see? You know, if, if they decided to move on from Mike Tomlin right now, it would be the biggest mistake they've made in Steeler history. You know, you have somebody, like you just said, a coach who hasn't had a losing record since he's been there. And sometimes when you when you have a coach there for that long and he's had that much success and that much winning, people are quick to move on uh, because they think there's something else better out there. And I, I'll tell you, we all heard the statements that, the grass ain't green on the other side. And sometimes, you know, when you won and you've been in that situation for so long, people are looking like, okay, let's move on. But guess what? Who do you move on to? Are you going to keep, are you going to find another coach going to be there as long as he have and, and, and win as many games he have? And by the way, you make that decision. There's no backtracking. You can't call Mike Tomlin back and say, hey, we made a mistake. Can we bring you back in? No, you're moving on for someone who's been a staple for that organization for a very long time. So if you are going to decide to move on from Mike Tomlin, you better make you better make sure you make the right move. Because once you move on from a coach like that, you're not getting him back. And by the way, there's 31 other teams going to be looking at, looking at him as well. See, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that a lot of times fans – they get a little bit entitled, they get impatient, and they're like, we can do better, we can do better, we can do better. And then when you look at history, you don't generally do better when you run guys like that off. I'm not saying that the message isn't stale, but you can't just, quote, do better. Hey, Sean, really quickly, let me bounce back to the Chargers. Knowing them the way you know them, and knowing the Spanos family the way you know the Spanos family, do you think this time they would take a big swing and spend the money that it would take to get a Bill Belichick or a Jim Harbaugh? Or maybe do you think that's not the right way to go anyway? I think this, um, and there's no slight towards Bill Belichick. There's no slight towards Jim Harbaugh and just their career and what their body of work, what they've done, especially Bill Belichick, because he'll, he's, he'll go down as one of the greatest coaches in the history or, or maybe the greatest coach. But people are so fascinated with big names. They're so fascinated. So they, when they see the two, two big names there, they think that you just hire these coaches and you're going to win football games. Well, it doesn't work that way. There's a process that's involved in everything that you do, right? So if you have a Jim Harbaugh or a uh, Bill Belichick come in, hey, w- what's your plans with Justin Herbert? What's your plans with the offense? Who are you bringing in? Who are you letting go? Okay, Khalil Mack's contract's coming up. He has a big cap. Are you moving on from Bosa? Are you mo- so there's there's a long process that goes in on um, – on finding a new head coach. And I'm just not so fascinated with just, okay, these are the big names that are going to come in and start winning football games for us because it just doesn't work that way. And also, I want to I want to say this. Um, because of this team and this roster, they were Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, and we don't know what's going to happen with Mike Williams and this defense that they have. They got talent. They got names. So the next coach that you bring in, you have to get it right because you, you, you know what type of team and roster you have that you're dealing with, and you're not – uh, nothing certain that you're going to keep all these guys together for this next three to five years. So whoever you bring in has to know what they're doing right away when they come in with this talented roster. Right, not to mention you can't afford to keep everybody anyway because Justin Herbert's rookie contract is going to expire and now he's going to get paid and should get paid and will get paid. I mean, Sean, do you have an idea of specifically who you would like to see coach that team or maybe just the kind of person you'd like to see coach that team? What should they do? You know, look, you can't go wrong by at least considering Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, if these guys seriously want to come in and they and they want to, you know, turn things around. Obviously, you know, there's a big price tag. Who's going to control what? What checks are going to be written? 
Uh, if you're looking outside of those two coaches, I think Dan Quinn. I like Dan Quinn a lot. You know, you, we they brought they brought Brandon Staley in because he's a supposed to be a defensive guru, helped the defense out because we all know with those talented guys they got on the defense with Derwin James and all. You know, they got guys there, so you want to bring a defensive minded coach in. Dan Quinn is also now you got you know a couple colleges to come up coming up from uh on the college level. I think the Washington coach um has been talked about a little bit. There's a couple uh, coordinators. Uh, I think the offensive coordinator for, for the Lions there is a good opportunity. So I, I would look at about five or six guys, honestly. Um, if you want to exclude Bill Belichick and J- Jim Harbaugh because of just their their names, their uh, their history and their coaching uh, tenure and how long their body of work, what they've done. But there's about five or six guys out there you have to really consider at the coordinating job, two from college, uh, and, and uh, probably three or four guys in the office of defensive coordinators uh, currently in the NFL right now. Sean Merriman joining us. Sean, really quickly, what about your other former team, the Bills? I mean, dude, what a wild year it's been. I mean, they look like a Super Bowl contender. They look like they were going to miss the playoffs. They look like they're back to being a contender right now. What's your make on the Bills, and what do you think about what they just did to Dallas? How do they look to you? They look great, but it's it, for, you know with them, it's, it's which team is going to show up. That's It's always been that the whole entire year. Is it going to be Josh Allen just throws two or three interceptions? Uh, them, you know, them having, you know, not being stable and running the football. Cook last night. That's what this team is made up on. When they're running the ball well, Diggs is going to have a big game. When they're running the ball well, the, the tight end. I know he had a couple drops in the game and whatnot. But when they're running the ball well, so much things, so many things open up for them. Josh Allen not turning the ball over. Nobody, no one can beat them when they're playing that style of football. And you know, and, and this is this is another black eye for Dallas. You know, every time, you know, Dallas is going to go out and beat the team they should beat, always. But when they face teams that with, with, you know, winning records that are really good, they haven't shown a lot of upside in beating those level of teams. You know, and this goes back to the San Francisco 49ers and a few other teams they lost against this year that were good. So, you know, I I want to give my former Bills all the love and credit in the world. When they show up, I don't think that nobody can beat them. And Dallas hasn't shown also that they can beat a team with a winning record. And somebody that really brings something to the table. So uh, when the Bills are playing well, man, I really don't think that there's many teams other than the Ravens that's going to really give them problems on the AFC side. Yeah, you do not want to run into them when they play like that. Sean Merriman's joining us. Sean, you're still all in on the MMA game. You're running Lights Out Extreme Fighting. When is your next event? What excites you about that upcoming card? What's going on? Yeah, we got it. We got a huge event, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 13, Saturday. Uh, January 6th in Long Beach, California. If you guys in, in Southern California, lightsoutxf.com is the, uh, how you get your tickets. We'll be live on Football TV, Football Sports, and this is our first women's main event. Um, typically, I don't get involved too much in the matchmaking side, but once in a while I do when you're pulling off you know, bigger fights like this. Abby Montez, Jackie Catalan, both of these women are badasses in the sport. They're very well known in the MMA community. Uh, it is going to be a brawl. I would not miss this one. Get your tickets again at lightsoutexcept.com if you're in the Long Beach or SoCal area. We'll be live on Football TV, Football Sports at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday, uh, like January that. 6th. In the LBC. Sean, really quickly, what about the mentality? What's it take to get in the cage as compared to, I mean, like you played one of the most violent games ever. It's a different sport. It's a different breed. It's a different kind of contact and violence. How would you describe MMA or the mentality it takes to do what they do? Well, just like football, you got to be crazy as hell. <laughs> I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, w- one thing I've always loved, I've been around this uh, sport, MMA, for 17 years. And the uh, j- just the, the rise and the, how global it is now, we're getting 
you for us now, man. We're getting fighters reach out to us from all over the country. Um, we're up 90% from last fight on Fubo TV, Fubo Sports, broke another record there. So it's fun for us because uh, I think that this sport has so much potential. We're going to make some big announcements here with former athletes, former football players, and former NFL guys that's transitioning. We're going to take a few fights uh, with light side extreme fights. So that's going to be fun for us to, uh, you know, just – Guys looking that want to still compete, they didn't get a, a chance to have a long career in the NFL, that's going to take some fights and put on a showcase for us. Sean, quickly, do they know when you have a former NFLer, right, and they understand discipline, they understand preparation, they understand fundamentals, they understand techniques, but they've never really done it before and they're fans, generally what's it like when they get down there on the mat and they try it for the first time? Well, you know, for one, you don't walk in there with a bunch of pride, right? You know that starting out, you're, you're just going to be behind the eight ball when it comes to uh, skill level, discipline. These guys have been doing it a lot longer. One thing about former football players, just athletes in general, you're not walking in that cage with two left feet. You know how to work. You're not afraid to work in your discipline. Uh, these guys walk in with explosion and power. They just need to learn how to punch and work on their ground game. But you're going to see a lot of a lot in this next six to 12 months, a lot of former athletes transition into MMA because the money is there, the opportunity is there, the upside is there. And more importantly, you got some guys who just flat out pissed off on how their careers ended. Uh, maybe not have another opportunity with a team or organization to say, man, I want to go kick some ass. And, and those are typically the, the athletes that we want. Dude, that is so interesting, right? You want that guy with the chip or that gal with a chip on their shoulder. Get right down to it, Sean. How many athletes, high-level athletes, actually go out on their own terms in whatever sport it is? Not that many, right? No, very few, especially in football. You know, once they come and ask for your playbook, you hand it over and you're the next fight out of there. And uh, that's that's what typically happens. And it happens to all of us, right? We we play the game as long as we have uh, to play in the NFL or any any pro sport like that. It, it's you got to be as a privilege, it's an honor. But we all know that one day that comes to an end. And so what happens is a lot of these uh, uh, former athletes struggle with that transition, try to figure out. I have I I got big name guys right now that play in the NFL that's doing jujitsu and Muay Thai and sparring right now. That's thinking about taking a fight because these guys are just physically ready to still compete. And so, uh, I, you know, hopefully I can start making those announcements soon. You know, I got to talk to some wives and talk to the family and kind of tell them that everything's going to be good. We, You know, they're going to put out a show, make sure they're safe. But we have some really, really big names that's considering coming coming over to fight uh, for us, the light side extreme fight. Interesting. He is a former NFL linebacker. He did play eight years with the Chargers and the Bills. Also a promoter and owner of Lights Out Extreme Fighting, Sean Merriman, my guest. Sean, always good to get caught up, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Good luck with that. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. You got it, Sean. Sean Merriman joining us. I like that. Good, good reaction. Chargers, Steelers, the fight promotion. A lot of former athletes, he said, their careers have come to an end and they're pissed off. They're pissed off about how it ended. They need an outlet. They want to compete. They still physically have something to offer. They want to get paid. 